Welcome to Status. This is Aydil Iskandar. Today we have Hiba Amin, an Egyptian artist who will speak to us about various things, including her work, but also revolutionary politics and how that's related to artistic production in Egypt and beyond. So we're happy to have her on the show today. Hiba, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Really good to have you. Uh, so we had an opportunity to meet... Thank you already. Hey, keep going. It's good. Giggles in the background. Uh, so we had the pleasure of meeting at a conference in uh, the University of California, Santa Barbara, called After Tahrir. And the intention of the conference was to bring together artists, activists, thinkers, writers, academics to discuss the state of the Egyptian revolution moving forward. And, you know, you brought forward a project. In fact, your interventions were, were extremely interesting on so many different levels. But one of the projects that was very yeah. jarring and interesting for, for all of us to watch was a short video uh, called Speak to Tweet. Do you mind telling us a little bit about this project and, and how it was conceived and, and, uh, sure. and what it means to you? So the project is actually called Project Speak to Tweet. I know that sounds quite banal, but it's because it's taken from a platform that's called Speak to Tweet. Um, and so Speak to Tweet was a platform that emerged during the initial days of the revolution when the internet was shut down. Um, and um, it was this platform that emerged that allowed people to use a regular landline to call a phone number and leave voice messages that would then automatically post to Twitter without a third party. So the idea was that the developers of this program um, were kind of targeting the, um, the revolutionaries who were using social media media prior to the internet shutdown and it was a way for them to continue communicating despite um, you know being completely wiped off the world's online maps and so I was actually in uh, Germany at the time and of course when I found out about this platform I was very interested in it and I sent lots of messages to my friends and told them to use it and then I instinctively just started listening um, to all the all the messages um, in real time and I discovered very quickly that this was something incredibly incredibly unique um, it was um, you know something I had never heard before it was basically people who were making phone calls and you know pouring their hearts out you know it was it was really used in a way that was um, incredibly creative and incredibly emotional. Um, and that was very different from how social media was being used. And so as I was listening, I just kind of instinctively started recording these messages um, and, um, and knew that this was something that really needed to be preserved. And so um, I, I, I guess I, I was so moved by this by these messages that I felt like I needed to use them somehow. Um, and, and kind of in my own artistic practice, it kind of made sense um, to incorporate them into a project that I had already been working on. And that was that, you know, for over a decade, I had been documenting the um, urban decay and the deteriorating buildings um, and the unfinished buildings that were popping up around the city for over over 10 years. Um, and so I had all this footage of this kind of post-apocalyptic image of the city. And I had been editing these videos, not really knowing what to do with them. And then somehow it when I heard these messages, it just kind of clicked that these were the people that were kind of speaking, you know, amidst these ruins of the city. And I had um, already had a video edited and I kind of put one of the first messages that really moved me to this video. And it was the most incredible thing because I, 
it, it was the exact length of the video and I almost didn't even have to edit it. And it somehow made complete sense to put these two things together. And so from that moment on, I just started, you know, going through all the, all the messages and, and putting them to these images. And, and the idea is that I'm, you know, um, creating this growing project of voices and um, imagery of, of urban decay. Um, and, and because I managed to kind of get a hold of all the messages today, five years later, um, these, these messages are actually very difficult to access online. They've kind of um, been buried amongst the internet noise. And as far as I know it, I'm the only one that's really working with them and talking about them, um, and perhaps the only one who actually has these messages in hand. I remember watching this and thinking that it's, it's quite surreal to be listening to this at this point in development of the contemporary political situation in Egypt, largely because these voices seem sort of lost in a wilderness, as you said, I mean, just kind yeah. of um, existing in, in a space, but, but also they're very, they're, they're, they exist in a time frame, but they're also yeah. largely timeless. And so can you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about what it means to be going back and listening to some of these voices today? Uh, who mm -hmm. are these people? Do we know anything about them? Are they traceable? Um, where would they be today in, in relation to their perspectives back then? And is there a way to bring those two together? Or, or mm -hmm. is that just going to be preserved? Served, uh, as is almost like a, a curated sort of slice of time. I mean, it is really interesting to hear them five years after. Um, the thing that's so interesting about voice messages is that you hear the sound of the voice. So this is a very different thing altogether than, you know, messages on social media, because you have all this added level of information. You can hear the tone of the voice. You can hear, you know, emotion in it. You can hear the volume and all those things add these added layers of information to them that, you know, text um, doesn't give you. Um, so it is quite eerie um, to hear these voices five years later, it's almost like the dead are speaking to you somehow, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and that these are, these are anonymous people. These are, um, you know, in many, many cases, you know, because, because unlike social media, speak to tweet, you didn't have to have an account with any platform. So you could call in anonymously. Um, but interestingly, a lot of people felt the need to name themselves. And, and I, I'm not sure what that is, but I think it has something to do, and of course this is just my own opinion, I think it has something to do with the fact that many people were calling from kind of isolated or disconnected places. So, so a lot of people would call and leave their names and their locations. And a lot of the locations were either cities um, that were far away from where the protests were happening, or um, people were calling from abroad to kind of express their solidarity with what was happening in Tahrir Square. Um, so this was something that's really interesting. But then also for me, you know, as the years have gone on and, and where we find ourselves today, somehow these messages and um, uh, have become a lot more powerful. You know, I was kind of instinctively working with them when they first came out because I was so moved by them. But of course, today I read them very differently because we're in a very different place politically. Um, and in fact, a lot of these messages were people expressing their, you know, hope, you know, their fears, uh, their excitement. And there was this sense of uncertainty of where we're going, but there was also a sense of something is possible. Um, but now, of course, we find ourselves in a very different place politically. And so then these, these messages have a very, very different emotional impact on the viewer. And in fact, I find them a lot harder to work with them today than I did when, um, when they first came out in 2011.
So by calling it Project Speak to Tweet, is there a project specifically in, in terms of your work, uh, your priorities, uh, where you expect this might go? Is this, is this your yeah. sort of struggle to grapple with, you know, the memory of, of the revolution and revisiting it five years on? Or what, what does it mean? Yeah, so it's not just five years on, because I imagine it being a very long-term project, which is why I kind of gave it this very boring name. But also it's a sense that it, it's something that's emerging from this pre-existing platform, and I don't want to take ownership of it. So so part of what I'm doing is also trying to make these messages accessible publicly again to everyone, right? So that's also a process I'm working on. But simultaneously, I'm do, I am doing my own project, and it is that... I'm, I'm, you know, juxtaposing these these messages um, as many as I can. You know, the the kind of the idea is 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 actually using all of them um, um, with these images of of these kind of uh, humanless images of the city. And so the idea is that as I present this work, um, each time I'm presenting it, it's growing and growing because presumably I've done more and more films. And each little film has its own title that are quite poetic because each message is quite poetic. And the idea is that as it grows, it becomes a sort of hallucination of the city. It becomes, you know, I'm trying to address also the ephemerality of the medium, um, that these these voices are preserved forever. I mean, of course, when we're talking about like digital memory, um, you know, um, you know, these things are preserved forever. They're sitting somewhere in a server. Um, but but that also it's a very ambiguous space. You know, it's an, also an inaccessible space. And in the same way that these these buildings um, were in an, an inaccessible space. In fact, a lot of the footage that I've taken, I was trespassing um, in 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 these kind of falling apart structures that are 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 very much disconnected and dislocated from the city, even though they populate a very big part of the city. And so there was some similarity there in addressing those kinds of ambiguous spaces that I wanted to work with. And so it becomes this kind of overwhelming, um, you know, um, uh, I don't know, um, project that addresses these very different, you know, emotional aspects. And, 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 and so this is why I kind of gave it this name is, is because it, it's, it, it's something that really has no end for me.